This is Fresh Thinking with Rabbi Ari Shishla. Welcome, welcome. It's Fresh Thinking Time Thursday afternoon. You're with Rabbi Shishla until three o'clock. And as every week, you are part of the, you're part of the program. You're part of the furniture. You're part of the experience. So keep these numbers handy. You can WhatsApp at any time on 0618951019. You can SMS 34519. Guess what? Those people who have the guts and would like to call in and to be part of the conversation, it's 0101403020. It's actually an easy number to remember. And of course, as always, you can tweet at Chai FM. You can tweet me directly at Rabashish. This is Fresh Thinking. This is where we try and take things that are either current or part of Jewish thinking and look at them from a fresh perspective. Like I say, in order to do that, we need you to be part of it. So what's on my mind, actually, um, is... Sunday. <laughs> Sunday is on my mind. For those people who can immediately associate a special date on the Jewish calendar with Sunday, you'll know that Sunday is what we call Pesach Sheni. Now, it's a, I suppose if you've got your classic Jewish calendar, you will see that name on the date, Pesach Sheni. You'll see the name. Question is, what's the significance of it? So that's what we're going to talk about today and try and make it a little bit relevant and personal because ultimately we'll go through a little bit of the history and then the significance of it. But I think that the question that I'm going to throw out to you just before we start, because you'll quickly see that the theme around Pesach Sheini is a theme of second chances, or as we say in Yiddish, there's never a lost opportunity. So I just want to throw this out. And I guess that's the advantage of text. You can do this completely anonymously. But if you were granted, you know, like one of those genie in the bottle things, and somebody gave you the opportunity to have one episode in your life that you could redo, because this is the theme of Pesach Sheni, right, is that you get a second chance. And as I say, we'll go through the history in a moment just to understand the context and how we get to that realization. But if you had one episode in your life, think back, think back over the whole of your life. And I, I don't know if people would be gutsy enough to, to share this, even though you can do so anonymously. One thing, one experience that uh, the genie is going to allow you to redo, what would you choose? I think it's fascinating just to reflect for a moment of what move, what choice, what decision in our lives would we have wanted to have a second chance? Just a second chance to be able to do it better or to be able to to go back and revisit and play catch up. Uh, maybe there's some people I know from experience, you speak to some people and they'll tell you that they wish they had had a proper Jewish education. Now they battle with things like reading Hebrew and following the service and knowing what you're supposed to do on what days and so on and so forth. So they wish that they had that opportunity. Maybe that's yours. Maybe you've got something else. So if you were granted that magic wand, or maybe we should call it a mystical wand, to be able to choose one episode, one experience that you could now get a second chance, what would you choose? And I suppose it would be interesting to know, so why? Why would you choose it? Now, the relationship between that and Pesach Sheni is, uh, you can hear in the words, Sheni means second Pesach, second Pesach. And basically what happened was, if you can picture the scene, one year after the Jewish people left Egypt, you can only imagine how exciting that must have been. The first anniversary of any significant event is a big deal. I mean, we know this from our own lives. Whatever it is. Recently, I was at a, a, a program um, an event it was actually really really powerful and it was an event hosted by Houghton House and celebrating people who were one year clean that first year anniversary of a person being able to stand up to their demons and being able to get their life into a healthy place you, you've got to see the energy that people had and the excitement and the, the positivity and certainly one of the things that was uh, really impressive about it was the way that people 
look out for each other and cheer each other on and encourage each other. So a first anniversary is always a, a very significant moment in any experience. So you can only imagine the excitement that there had to have been amongst the Jewish nation on the first anniversary of the exodus from Egypt. In other words, the first Pesach. So can you imagine? I mean, I, I can imagine that preparations were probably already at least a month in advance. People talking about it. What are we going to do? How do we celebrate? Moshe telling them all the laws. You've got to have a Pesach Seder. You've got to tell the story. You've got to eat matzah. You've got to lean to the left or whatever it is that he told them at that particular time of how to go about celebrating the Pesach Seder or the Pesach experience. And one of the key things that they had to do was to bring a Pesach sacrifice. Now, obviously, we don't do that these days. But bringing a Pesach sacrifice was to take an animal and to slaughter it, a lamb, and you slaughtered it and you actually ate it. You actually ate it uh, together with your family. And uh, normally sacrifices are brought on the altar, but the sacrifice was primarily consumed by the people who brought it. And suddenly, there they are, preparing for this one-year anniversary of this incredible historic event. And there's a group of people who realize that they are going to be excluded. And the reason that they're going to be excluded, by the way, is because of no fault of their own. So just to give a little bit of background, in order to be able to bring the Pesach sacrifice, you had to be in a state of ritual purity. And the way that you lose that status one of the ways is by being in direct contact with a dead body. So here was a group of people who were transporting dead or the remains of people who had passed away, Joseph and his brothers. So they were involved in what's actually quite a good mission. They were involved in something very positive. The fact is that as a result of that, they suddenly realized they're not going to be able to celebrate Pesach in the full sense. They're not going to be able to be part of this first anniversary, this milestone event. And so they went over to Moshe, to Moses, and they said, Lama nigora, it's a very important phrase. Why should we have to lose out? Now, we can pause for a moment, and I believe we've discussed this in the past, but you can pause for a moment and just say there's an important lesson right there. You know, if you don't protest, if you don't ask for something to change in order to accommodate you, you can't really expect that anything will change, right? Why, why would it change if you haven't put pressure, if you haven't announced your intentions if you haven't insisted that you should also be given an opportunity. So they did, and they went. They said, Lama Nigora, why should we lose out? And Moshe says, actually, I don't know what to tell you. I don't know. These are the rules. The rules say that in order to bring the Pesach sacrifice, it has to be on this state, and you have to be in that spiritual state, and you guys are just not in that spiritual state. And he says, but don't worry. I'll consult God, and I'll, I'll let you know. And that's one of the great advantages that they had in those days in the desert is that they had somebody with a direct line, you know, like the the uh, <clears throat> mythical red telephone, you know, pick it up, speak directly to God. So he says, I'll, I'll let you know. I'll, I'll, I'll get an answer from God immediately. And he comes back and he tells them, well, here's the thing. Hashem is willing to give you another opportunity. Exactly one month to the day after the original Pesach, there will be what we call Pesach Sheni. There will be a second Pesach. And any person who, for whatever reason it was, could not bring the sacrifice first time around, now you get a second chance. See, that's where the theme comes from. Pesach Sheni is the second chance. That's You'll often hear people, in fact, you can be pretty guaranteed that if you go to Shul this Shabbos, or if you belong to a, a WhatsApp broadcast list, as we typically do nowadays, and you get your parish of thought for the week, you can be sure that you're going to hear about Pesach Sheni, and you're going to hear that message that it is a time of of uh, <coughs> of preparing to get. To, uh, sorry, it's that time of second chances, right? Somebody sent a very interesting WhatsApp over here. There's different opinions. So somebody says it's not because they were carrying Joseph's bones. It's because they got Nadav and Avihu's bodies out of the Mishkan. Like I said, there are different opinions, bearing in mind. Nadav and Avihu um, did pass away at just a couple of days before 
um, before Pesach. So that does fit with the timeline. But the fact of the matter is that there were people who were transporting the remains of Yosef and his brothers. So the variations on the theme of who exactly it was that went knocking on the door of Moshe to find out what they should be doing. Uh, here's an interesting SMS. Somebody says, because I asked the question about second chance, that is what the theme, one of the strong themes of Pesach Sheni is all about. So I asked you, if you had the opportunity to get a second chance for something, what would you choose? So here's a very interesting SMS. If we choose to redo something, does that not imply a lack of faith in God and his plan for us? I'd like to unpack that. It's very interesting. I hadn't anticipated that we'd go down that route in the conversation. But that's what's great about the show. That's what makes it fresh. So that people can feed in and you can share your views and your opinions and your perspectives. So sometimes the conversation meanders off a little bit onto the side. And I think that that's a very interesting topic. And I'd love to hear what other people think about it. Because he has a proposal that says, if I believe that I need to redo something, turn the clock back, go and repair or <clears throat> make that choice differently, does that not deny the fact that God has a plan? And I am where I am because of that great supernal divine plan and showing some doubt about it may actually be a lack of faith in God. I think it's a fascinating question and I'd love to hear what people think about it. I'll tell you what I think about it as well. But first I'd like to hear what people think. Would you agree that asking or wishing to have the opportunity to redo something in life, to be able to turn the clock back, is that necessarily a denial of your faith in God and his mastery over our lives. I'm going to let that hang a little bit, and we can talk about it in just a moment if there's anybody who has a thought on that. Maybe the person that's anonymous, maybe the original person who sent that SMS can feed into it a little bit and and just talk a little bit more to that to that theme. I think it is important to acknowledge that we, we do believe that God's large and in charge. And the fact of the matter is we land up in life exactly where Hashem wants us, and he has multiple ways of getting us there. So that's that's absolutely true. But let's talk about that. Let's talk about that in, in, in just a moment, whether or not it's problematic for a person to wish that they had a second chance. Uh, that's exactly what happens in the Pesach Sheni story. You've got a group of people who are unable to bring the Pesach sacrifice, and they ask for a second chance. They want to be able to redo. Okay, maybe not redo. Maybe that's not the right way. To express what they were saying. Okay, let's talk about it. If you've got a thought on that, 0618951019 is our WhatsApp line. You can SMS 34519. Phone in on 0101403020. This is Fresh Thinking with Rabbi Ari Shishla. So, there we go. Talking about this uh, Pesach Sheni. By the way, just that you know, practically, uh, we don't have a Pesach sacrifice today. So that's part of the thing you've got to think about. There's nobody who's going to miss the opportunity to, to, to do a Pesach sacrifice. So what is the significance and relevance of Pesach Sheni in today's world other than its message, right? There's nothing, is there anything practical that we have to do? And we don't do another Pesach Seder. We don't even tell a person that if for whatever reason it is you missed the Pesach Seder, then on Saturday night you should do another Pesach Seder. We don't do that. Symbolically, what we do is we eat some matzah over the course of Sunday as a commemoration of the Pesach sacrifice. As a commemoration of the, of the fact that it's Pesach Sheni. But that's about all. So really for us the relevance must be in its message. And the strong and overarching message of them is the message of second chances. So I threw out to you, if you were given the opportunity to 
uh, redo something in your life, to have a second chance at something in your life, what would you choose? And straight away somebody SMSed to say, well, is that not denial of your faith in God? Surely, if you believe in God, then you believe that you are exactly where it is because that's where God wants you to be. So why are you asking to redo something? Maybe what we need to do is just separate two things. There is the difference between what we should know about how the world works versus how we should feel. And even that you've got to be careful with because obviously if a person has very powerful, firm faith in God, that will obviously influence how they feel. So to to feel like you want to redo something does not have to feel the same as being shattered over the fact that you didn't get to do it the first time. See the distinction? In other words, what happens to us a lot of the time is we feel that things are binary. Either you feel this way or you feel that way. Either you're okay with it or you're distraught about it. And Judaism is more nuanced than that. It's not always just either or. So either you're very content and you have no issue with the fact that your your life went down a particular path or you're agitated by exactly that fact and how could my life have gone down that path there's other possibilities as well for example there is the possibility of a person saying well i wish i had had the insight then that i have now because then i would have done it better or i would have done it with more meaning or i would have done it in a an improved fashion that doesn't mean that i'm upset at how things panned out i know where i am and i trust that where i am is exactly where god wanted me to be i trust that but who says god needed to get me here through that particular decision maybe there was a nicer way to do it give you an example we know that in various times in jewish history the jews were exiled from our land One of those times was when the original Jewish family, which was Jacob and his family, went down to Egypt. And the Talmud makes a very interesting observation. It says it could have been that they were taken down in shackles, very much, I suppose, like at the time of the destruction of the first temple or the time of the destruction of the second temple, where Jews were taken in chains into a foreign land. But here, the way God orchestrated things was that Jacob and his family should go down to Egypt only because he wanted to reunite with his highly successful son who was the most powerful man in that land. So it's the same kind of thing that we should reflect on. I am where I am because that's where God wanted me to be. That does not mean that I can shirk responsibility for some of the decisions that I made that brought me to this point because God had other paths he could have used to bring me to this point. So we don't want to land up with a psychology that says no regrets. You know, it sounds nice, works well on a bumper sticker, maybe even as a surfing product brand or something like that, or skateboarding. I don't know exactly where you say it, but no regrets is not a Jewish way of thinking. Judaism says, like take for example King David. King David composed in Tehillim and Psalms number 51 in respect of a particular decision that he had made in his life, which was a relative to the kind of person he was, was a terrible scandal. And that's the decision about Bathsheba. And he says, that sin is always before my eyes. Constantly thinking about it, constantly thinking, how do I get myself away from or to have reconstituted my spirituality following that particular decision. So when we say looking for a second chance, that's not a denial of faith in God. I am where I am because that's his plan. Why am I in that place? Well, there I may need to take some responsibility and I may need to ask for another opportunity to right that wrong. That's easy, I suppose, when you're dealing with things that are interpersonal, right? You can go back to the person and say, well, I'd like to somehow reconcile with you because there was an issue between us. 
But when you talk about things that are on a timeline, like the Pesach sacrifice, well, either you have the opportunity or you don't have the opportunity. And yes, it is fair to say that it was God's plan. There were going to be certain people who were not going to have this opportunity to bring the Pesach sacrifice. But this is exactly the point. We need to be able to communicate how much we wish we would have had that opportunity. It's almost like the story, uh, we had that WhatsApp that mentioned Nadav and Avihu. Those are the two sons of Aaron. After they died, and they died under very mysterious and scandalous circumstances, but after they died, Moses turns to his brother Aaron and he says, you know, I'm a little bit jealous of them because they died through this ultra-spiritual experience that created some level of sanctification of God's name, and I thought it was going to be me. So there is the sense of yearning and pining to have had the opportunity to be part of something that is deeply meaningful and highly spiritual. And that's where these people were coming from in the Pesach scenario. They understood that the circumstances had brought them to a certain point. They understood that those circumstances were because obviously that's what God wanted. They understood all those things. But at the end of the day, the end of the day, They felt that they were lacking, that they were missing, that there was something that they really, really wanted to have in their lives. And that emotion, that drive that they had is what caused them to earn not only the opportunity for restitution, something much more powerful than that. That earned them the opportunity to introduce a whole new festival into the Jewish calendar. I mean, think about that for a second. And that didn't come from just plain acceptance of I am where I am because that's where God wants me. That came from a place of urgency that says, I wish that I had the opportunity to be able to connect. Okay? So I think there's a lot more that we can talk about on that to- on that topic. We do have somebody on the line. Hi there. Who am I speaking to? Hi, Rabbi. It's Saul speaking. How are you, Saul? Welcome aboard. I'm fine and you. Good, thank God. How are you? No complaints. Baruch Hashem. Saul, what do you think about second chances? Yeah, yeah. I, I wanted to ask a question, Rabbi. It's beeping now. Can you hear me? Yes, I hear you perfectly. Um, if if it's all determined, in other words, Hashem knows what you're going to do. He, he, your life is, to some extent, predetermined. Hashem knows everything you do. If you're going to have a regret, it means that that part wasn't determined by Hashem. It's a great question. It's a great question, and I think that feeds directly into probably one of Judaism's biggest questions, which is how do you reconcile the fact that we believe in free choice and the fact that we believe in an all-knowing God? <laughs> so how do you work that out, right? And, exactly. And it's, it's, it's one of those things that has kept people up at night for centuries. There are a number of different offerings through the different Jewish philosophers. One of them says like this. Let's say that I know you really, really, really well. Let's just say. Let's say I know my child really well. And I know that if I give my child the choice, broccoli or chocolate ice cream, the child is going to choose chocolate ice cream. I just know that. That doesn't mean that they don't make the choice. It just means I know them well enough to know how they'll choose under those circumstances. So that's one of the classic explanations that's given for how you reconcile the two of these. But you're asking something a little different. You're saying yeah. if you yeah. regret, if you regret yeah. something. Okay, so you know what? I think in that case, either listen on, on the radio or try a call back. There we go. We lost Saul over there. But that was a great question, and it's, a, it's definitely it talks to not just this particular question of Pesach Sheni. It talks to a fundamental issue within Judaism. Like, <laughs> if it's all mapped out, and we do believe that it's all mapped out, then what kind of choices do we have? So the second point that I wanted to say to Saul is this. You know, God is very, very talented, and we don't even begin to understand how he operates. 
that's the reality because it's just not the finite human experience that we're used to. So God can coexist, so to speak, on multiple levels simultaneously, which means that from one perspective, God looks at this is where it's all going to go. And yet on the other perspective, he can say, and you're going to make choices in your life that I know, I know where you're going to land up, but you're still going to be responsible for and free to make your choices. It's like, I don't know if you remember, they used to have those choose-your-own-adventure books. I think you can actually do it now with certain TV programs. You know, you get to a certain scene, and then it says, well, if the character was going to do X, turn to page 29. And if you think the character is going to do Y, then turn to page whatever. But the book still gets to the same end. That's what the author's done. He's just created various paths that will take you to that particular destination. And that's the kind of thing that some of our philosophers say, that's what God does with us. He knows the end game, and he knows exactly where the destination is. He just uses various ways to get us there. He gives us various options, like this multi-layered series of options. And then essentially it boils down to this. Do we get to where we were supposed to get to by our own choice and as our own achievement? Or do we get there because we needed a lot of little nudging and pulling from God to get us to a particular place that unfortunately we didn't quite earn? So if you take, for example, the exodus from Egypt – the Jews did not leave Egypt because they had done something spectacular that grabbed God's attention. Then he said, you know what, you people are fantastic. I'm going to take you out. He took them out because he had made a promise to our patriarchs that he was going to take us out of Egypt. And so he honored that promise. But then he added another layer to it. And he said, hang on a second. I can even do this in such a way that you still earn your keep. And that's why before we could leave Egypt, he says, here are some instructions. Circumcise your children. Slaughter a lamb, which was one of the deities of Egypt, put the blood on the doorposts. Okay, now you've done something. You've shown some commitment. I could have taken you out in one massive freebie, but I'm actually directing the path of your life to give you the opportunity to make a choice to be part of that process. Now, we know this. The Talmud says, based on a particular verse in the story of the Exodus, that a good portion of the Jewish people in Egypt did not get to leave. That means to say that they made a choice. That robbed them of the opportunity of being part of a certain outcome. So it's a fascinating topic and it's one of those things I think we'll be discussing throughout our entire lives, which is good because if you've got something which is deep, you don't want to answer it with a snap of your fingers. You want to answer it and then question it further and then deepen your understanding and widen and broaden your insight. And that's how we learn and that's how we get a little bit of an insight into what's going on. If you have just joined us, it's Fresh Thinking with Rabbi Shishla talking today about second chances, specifically in the context of Pesach Sheni, the so-called second Pesach, which we will celebrate this coming Sunday. We celebrate by having matzah, but really the theme is about having a second chance chance now pick and pay hyper norwood have these pocket saving sweet deals just for you they've got fries meat free and bry style sausages at just 25 rand 99 per kilo they've got pick and pay kosher chicken flatties assorted for a very low 69 99 per kilo they've also got pick and pay kosher regular classic cola for two liters for just 9.99 and they've got pick and pay frozen petite hake fillets at sixty nine ninety nine per kilo. So you can catch these and many more specials in store. These specials are exclusive to Pick and Pay Norwood Hyper and they're only while stocks last. Pick and Pay Hyper Norwood is the best place to shop when you want to buy a lot. So if you um, had a nice call over there from Saul, just a pity about the line because it was a it's a good topic and it's something that's interesting and it was definitely apropos what we're talking about today. If you'd like to call in as well you can do so oh one oh Let's try that again. 0101 
That's easy to remember. 0101403020. That's the number to call. You can WhatsApp 0618951019. You can SMS 34519. And you can tweet at Chai FM. You can tweet me directly at Rabbi Shish. We're going to talk more about this concept of Pesach Sheni. And I'd like to take it a little bit beyond just the second chances thing, even though I think it is fascinating that we got into a conversation about does God know the outcomes or do we have a choice? But there's some other things that uh, we could also discuss about Pesach Sheni, things that are perhaps lesser known. And that is, think about this. What happens to the vast majority of people? Go back. I'm talking in biblical times, right? Um, where the... Um, well, the whole principle was if a person did not get to bring the, the Pesach sacrifice first time around, then what would happen was they got a second chance one month later, and that was called Pesach Sheni. So great. That accommodates people who lost out on the first Pesach. Now they've got a chance to catch up. Maybe it's like special voting. You know, If you couldn't be there on election day for whatever reason, you're given an opportunity. But special voting is absolutely inconsequential to the rest of us. It doesn't mean a thing in our lives. You know, we're going to go or we would have gone on the 8th of May and stood in line like everybody else. There are certain people who, because of some limitation, couldn't be there. So the IEC allows them special voting at certain times. But for us, it's a meaningless day on, in our lives. So surely Pesach Sheni should be the same kind of thing. I mean, we didn't have the opportunity to bring a Pesach sacrifice on Pesach itself. Then we... You know, what, what's the relevance of Pesach Sheni for us today? And even back in biblical times, when people did have the opportunity to bring a Pesach sacrifice, and then if they missed that opportunity, they had Pesach Sheni, that's fine. They probably spoke to a small fraction of the population. What's the significance for a person who hasn't lost out, who hasn't missed an opportunity? What, what's the message for us? Because... We can now go digging through our history and we start pulling up things and saying, okay, well, there's a lost opportunity and, and here God offers me an opportunity again. I heard a very, well, I saw a very nice sign that somebody made for Pesach Shani and it goes like this. It's got a picture of a half full glass of water and it says, it's not that the glass is half full. It's not that the glass is half empty. It's that you can always refill the glass. So that's kind of the Pesach Sheni message. It's wonderful if you feel that that's what you need in your life. But what if you don't feel that way? What if you feel that you've you've actually worked hard and you're pretty focused? Things are good. You're working in a spiritual direction that is a healthy direction. What do you need a Pesach Sheni for? You know, what, what do you need a Pesach Sheni for? Life is good. What if you're Moses himself? You know, do, do you need a Pesach Sheni? So that's another side of this conversation that we have to explore. Here's an SMS signed BY that says, think everything is predestined. As humans, we still have to choose. God knows our individual struggles, though, but also knows how we will choose. Okay, so that goes back to what we were talking about just a moment ago about wanting a second chance and the question of whether or not that's that's something that undermines our faith. So I think most people will agree with this SMS, I don't want to say everything is predestined. You've got to be a little bit careful about that because the Talmud uses the expression, Hakol everything is in God's hands, except for fear of heaven, which basically means our moral choices or our spiritual choices. So, yes, everything is predestined except our responses and except for our 
moral and spiritual choices. That's an important thing to keep in mind. Does God know us? Of course, he knows us better than we know ourselves. So he knows how we're going to react and he knows how we're going to choose. But that does not rob us of the opportunity to choose. Thank you. That was a nice SMS. Let's go back to this conversation. So Pesach Shane is all about second chances and it's all about making up things that you didn't do when you could have, should have, would have. What happens if you don't have that issue? What happens if life is good and you're in a healthy spiritual space? So what then could be the lesson of Pesach Shani? And that's actually where I wanted to go today because I feel that we all know these um, these great stories uh, about second chances. And it sounds very, very powerful and beautiful and so on. But the real question is, what else could it mean? It can't only mean catch up. There's got to be each day on the Jewish calendar has to have an inherent and intrinsic value, not only a utilitarian value. Okay, so here's what you do. This is the day you go to if you're stuck. Okay, so let's explore that a little bit. And in order to do that, what we're going to do is let's talk about what Pesach represents just for a moment. Not what Pesach was historically because we know that, but what does it represent? Think about this. You had Jewish people who had been slaves in Egypt for 200 years. Next thing, God comes knocking on the door. He says, do X, do Y, bris, blood on the doorposts, slaughter the lambs, and get yourselves ready because we're out of here. And then he says like this, ki bechipazoin, you gotta, you gotta rush. This is gonna be a pressure cooker experience. Things are gonna happen quickly. You better be ready. Have your walking stick in hand, food ready to go, everything locked and loaded. We're, the minute I give the sign, we're out of here. And we know that the exodus from Egypt was done under tremendous pressure. Practically, just under tremendous pressure. And there's an obvious reason for that, because our sages tell us that in Egypt, the Jewish people had dropped to such a poor spiritual standing that if they had not left immediately, they would have completely assimilated into Egypt. And that would have been the end, even before there was a beginning. That would have been the end. So timing was everything. And we all have that experience in our lives where we get caught in a certain state of living that is so precarious that if we don't feel the urgency to break out of it, we, we might actually succumb. So that's kind of what Pesach represents. I'm going to compare that to Pesach Sheni in just a moment. If you've got a comment, 061-895-1019, you can join the WhatsApp flurry. You can SMS 34519 or even phone in on 01014030020. This is Fresh Thinking with Rabbi Ari Shishla. So here's a nice WhatsApp from Hoda that says, I was asking, what is the message of Pesach Shani, if it's all about second chances, to the person who doesn't feel that they need a second chance right now? So Hoda says, absolutely correctly, there's always room to improve your spirituality and to learn more Torah. Absolutely. 10 out of 10. That's a 100% correct answer. And that's exactly the point. In fact, so... Pesach, in a sense, represents liberation, exodus, breaking free. Very nice and powerful and positive themes, but each one of them has a little bit of stress associated with it. If you're talking about escaping, if you're talking about refugees, if you're talking about running away from a, an oppressive regime, you can naturally feel that there's a certain urgency and there's a tremendous pressure. Now that happens to us in our own spirituality and that's what Pesach talks to. Pesach talks to those areas in our lives where we realize, my gosh, if I don't act on this now, I don't know if I'm ever going to get it right. Like You have to feel a, a pressure to avoid or an urgency to change. Let's say for argument's sake a person who has been involved in substance abuse. So they'll need to feel a pain experience like it's it's urgent it's important that i can never ever go back to that place it was terrible it wrecked my life completely i can't ever go back it's not a question 
So there's that tremendous Pesach kind of feeling. In the language of the mystics, we call that iskafia. Iskafia means the effort that we put in to quell our temptations, to quiet our evil inclination, our Yetzirah. So in order to do that, you've got to be on your toes. you always got to be on your toes. That's Pesach. You're always moving. There's no time to rest. Rush, rush, move, move. Get out of harm's way. Stay away from those things that are toxic in your life. That's Pesach. Now, once the Jews came out of Egypt, they then got into the next phase of personal development, which unfortunately is very often overlooked. And that's a more stable and long-term phase. There's the emergency of get out of trouble. In the language of the Torah or King David and Psalms, Sur Meirah, get away from the bad stuff, run for your life. And then there is the more long-term and sustainable element that is called Asay Toiv. So now what are you going to do? It's all very well to run out of Egypt. And I think it's one of the great problems that we often have with liberation. When people have been oppressed and they are then removed from that oppression, it's wonderful in the short term. And then things start to become problematic. We see it here in our own country. We saw it with the the Jews who came out of the Soviet Union. We've seen it in various places that once people are out of that pressure cooker, if you don't, then give them a direction and a program and a strategy, they might become either uninspired or resentful even of the goodness that they now have, and or, or they might become involved in inappropriate behavior, corruption. All kinds of things can happen because you, you kind of released a spring. And so what happens after the Jews left Egypt is even more important than the fact that they left Egypt. They then started a program of moving forward. We commemorate that program at this time of the year through what's called the counting of the Omer. That's all about moving forward. So where am I going from here? How am I going to grow myself? It's not going to happen overnight. Leaving Egypt happens literally overnight. One day you're in Egypt, the next day you're out of Egypt. But growth doesn't. It takes time. Each day I can take a step and I can focus on a particular element of who I am and maybe develop that part of myself moving in a particular direction with a a very long-term goal in mind. And then I'm no longer working on the premise that says, Surmeira, run for your life, get away from the bad. I start to work on a premise that says, I say toiv, build something positive. What's the positive structure that I'm going to live in? So never uh, had a very, very interesting conversation. Again, I mentioned I was at this function with Houghton House, and somebody who I know who was there came over to me afterwards, and we had an interesting conversation. We identified, and he identified a very I think, succinct version of what happens. He says, the opposite of addiction is connection. That means to say, to get away from toxic behavior isn't good enough. What do you connect with? Where are you going from here? Pesach Sheini is not only about, oh, what, hang on, what about those people? They didn't get an opportunity. They were kind of left in the, uh, in the, in the shadows. They were left in the, the blaze of excitement. We're not only talking about that. There's an, there's an inherent value in Pesach Sheni itself. And that is to say, you don't only have to fix and repair what went wrong. You always have the opportunity to enhance and to go deeper. Here's an interesting practical application. Just, just an interesting practical application. Let's say for argument's sake that there was a child who was not bar mitzvah age when Pesach came around. So that means to say he was not obligated to bring the Pesach sacrifice. And then he has his bar mitzvah in those four weeks between the first Pesach and the second Pesach. So now, if the whole purpose of Pesach Sheni was only to catch up if you could not bring the Pesach sacrifice, he does not need to do Pesach Sheni because he didn't have to bring the first Pesach sacrifice, so he didn't miss it. 
But if you tell me that Pesach Sheni has a value in and of itself, and it's a day of connection to God, well, then we say to this guy, now you're by mitzvah, here's your opportunity for connection to God. And and certainly according to some opinions in the Talmud, that is the approach that we take. So it's a very insightful time of the year. It's a time of the year that helps us to understand Judaism is not only about putting out fires. It's not only in case of emergency break glass. It's not only when the chips are down, that's when you try and connect to God. Or when there's some kind of pressure and you have to make drastic moves in order to set your life back together again, that's when you check in. Actually, Pesach Sheni tells us that there's... There's another phase. There's a second phase to all of this. The second phase is how do you grow? How do you move forward? And this is really interesting because we're told in Jewish mysticism that we actually possess two souls. The one that's called the first soul is our more animalistic, impulsive drive, the egocentric part of ourselves. And the other, what's called the second soul, is our divine soul, the part that allows us the opportunity to transcend and to connect to Hashem. So when you run out of Egypt, you're actually talking the language of the animal soul because that's how you treat animals, right? You've got to put pressure Make sure that they conform. You don't sit down and come up with a long-term strategy. It's in the moment. Okay, let's move you from here to there. Pull that load. Do that circus trick. Jump out of the water. Those kinds of things. So when you're talking to your animal soul, then the message is run away from anything that might tempt or distract you. And that's very much what the theme of the original Pesach was. This Pesach Sheni, we're talking to the, say, the second soul, just like it's called the second Pesach. It actually talks to our second soul and says, hang on a second, you don't have to run your whole life. You do not have to spend your entire life as a refugee. You don't always have to identify yourself by the horrors of your past. You can and should become something of your own. You should become something self-sufficient. You should become something that has its own identity. And that is your soul identity. You have this opportunity to stand up and say, Pesach is not only about the fact that there was in Egypt. Pesach is also about the Sheni, about the second level of my experience as a human being, which is my deeper soul. The reason it's called the second level is because it's not where we start. It's not what we're naturally in touch with. We're naturally in touch with our impulsive side. We have to learn later as a second phase of development to get in touch with our soul, with our deep side, with our transcendent side, with the part of us that connects to God. And that's what Pesach Sheni is telling us. Pesach Sheni is telling us an amazing thing, that as great as your Pesach was, doesn't matter how outstanding your Seder was, how many compliments you got from your guests, how mystical it was, how late it finished, now you've got an opportunity to take all of that to another level, to a more advanced level, a level that is not just simply about the fact that there were those who wanted to kill us and we escaped, but a level that is about we are valuable inherently. We have something to contribute inherently, and that makes this day coming up, Pesach Sheni, this coming Sunday, actually a very profound and meaningful day, which hopefully we'll embrace with both hands. This is Fresh Thinking with Rabbi Ari Shishla. Here's uh, Joseph Ben-Judah on Twitter who says, what if you need a third chance? Or a fourth chance, or a fifth, or greater chances. Well, I think one of the great things, we're talking obviously about second chances because it's called Pesach Sheni, but the great thing about God is that God is infinite. In fact, if you think about it, every single day in our prayers, three times a day, in a, the, the silent devotion, which is called Amida, we say, blessed are you God who atones or forgives his people. And that means to say basically that we're acknowledging that between when I pray in the morning, when I pray in the afternoon, and even between when I pray in the afternoon and I pray in the evening, which is a far shorter time, there's another reason for me to go again 
to petition God to please forgive me. And he doesn't run out of patience and he doesn't run out of opportunities. The only time that a person no longer has opportunities is when it's all over. When a person is no longer living in this world, well, then you no longer have opportunities to do things in this world. But second, third, fourth, fifth, however many chances you want, that's what you have. The Talmud says... Even at the moment that the sword is on a person's neck, they should not despair of mercy. Now, the literal translation is, do not despair of the fact that God can save your life. Miraculously, obviously. But there's another message to that as well. As long as there is breath, there is opportunity. As long as a person is still on this world, there are no limits to our chances. And that's the wonderful thing about having a relationship with God. I'm not sure that human beings have that kind of capacity. You might run out of chances with human beings. But that's not what we're talking about today. So, what we are talking about today is Pesach Sheni and really the two messages that we're going to use as our take-home messages are this number one Judaism says if you feel that you let yourself down you let an opportunity go don't end the story there God will offer you the opportunity provided and this is a very important part of it provided that you are really agitated to have that opportunity just like those Jews were in the desert and they were pounding the doors and saying let us in they really really wanted to have that opportunity the second thing is that even if that's not your focus and you're not trying to play catch-up, know this, that as far as we're concerned as Jewish people, there are two completely different streams of how we serve God. The one is represented by the first Pesach, and that's all of our focus on avoidance, staying away from things that are unhealthy. And it's part of being Jewish and it's part of spirituality and it's it's part of how a person grows, right? That's how you grow is stay away from the things that are bad for you. But then there's another whole side to our spiritual development and to our personal growth, and that is celebrate and embrace the part of you that is positive, the part of you that allows you to grow, the part of you that takes you to a new dimension and reality of your life. And maybe that's how we should focus this Pesach Sheni. Well, what's the Sheni? What's the second stage, the second phase, the next step, the next opportunity that I have? Um, you know, where, where am I going to go and what am I going to do that's going to be so much better? And there's, uh, there's an interesting anecdote from the previous Lubavitcher Rebbe where he said there are three things that are referred to as Shani. One is Pesach Shani, which we've just referenced. One is the Nefesh Hashenis, the second soul, which we've also spoken about. And one is called the Cheder Shani. In the old Chabad shuls, in fact, quite a lot of contemporary Chabad shuls have the same thing. There was always what's called the Cheder Shani, a little side room where people could go off and they could focus on their prayers without uh, disturbance. And basically, the thought is this. If you want to have the opportunity to really lift your life to a whole different level, if you want to have that opportunity to get in touch with your depth of your soul, one of the things that you need to do is find a quiet spot just to be able to commune with God, just to be able to meditate, to be able to pray, to be able to get in touch with your relationship, to be able to get in touch with your own soul. It's a very important part of the process. These things don't happen in a vacuum. Pesach Sheni, day of tremendous potential, but also requires quite a bit of input on our part. Maybe that's the challenge for us. Um, this is the time of the year which is focused on the, the hard work, which is focused on sustainability. So, it's a Sunday this year. We don't have the distractions of work. It's a great opportunity. Sit down. Take a quiet few minutes. Speak to God. Connect with God. And connect with your own soul. It's a very enriching experience. So I'd like to wish you a 
meaningful and joyous Pesach Sheini. And of course, a wonderful Shabbos. And please God, the week ahead should be filled with blessings. We'll catch up next week, which is going to be an unusual show because it's going to be the Chai FM Radiothon. It's also going to be Lag Boimer, which is a very special day. So looking forward to sharing that with you next week. Please God.